Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, folks. It's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Greetings, listeners. I'm here today with Shannon Stone. Shannon is a clinical herbologist specializing in women's health and ADHD. She's a hormone expert and uses herbs, supplements, diet, and lifestyle changes to help women rebalance their hormones and help manage their ADHD better. She has 10 years experience as a clinical herbalist and 15 years as a registered nurse. She's a nomad and travels the country full-time with her four children and life partner. So Shannon Stone, welcome to the show. Um, Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. So Shannon, you have a really interesting life story, and I'm going to ask you to start out with that and tell us a little bit about how you came to be an RN, how you left that, how you went into herbalism and created this very unusual lifestyle. So that it's a curious story, and I'll ask you to begin with that, if you would. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my mom was sick on and off most of my life and in and out of hospitals for a majority of my childhood. Um, and that got me interested in helping other people that way. And I interacted with the nurses a lot and just really saw how they helped people. And so that led toward my career choice initially to become a nurse and an RN. So I straight out of college, I straight out of high school, sorry, went straight into nursing school and did an accelerated program where they crammed a bachelor's degree into two years and did that and came out as an RN and started working and absolutely loved it. Um, In the meantime, I had been diagnosed with endometriosis and was dealing with all of that hormonal stuff that comes with that. And was finding more and more, you know, issues with the way the modern medicine handles endometriosis and there wasn't a lot of options and options that they did have were just not something I was interested in pursuing because of the long-term implications of those things. So that started leading me to find another way to how I could manage my endometriosis and fix it on my own. And so I was about five or six years into my nursing career when I discovered um, that there was so many herbs that could work with this and do that. And so I basically made my own protocol and started working on stuff and found my own way and um, 
they told me I would never have uh, babies. And I had a baby five years after that, after I started my own protocol and just basically staved off the process for a really long time. Um, and so that really got me interested in doing this for other people. If I could do it for me, I knew there were so many other women that were having hormonal issues and weren't being treated appropriately or just in ways that weren't working with modern medicine. So um, that got me interested in that. And that's when I started looking for a program in infinite course in herbalism and was able to uh, start working as a herbalist as well. And that started me in that journey. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> Feels like yesterday though, sometimes. And so let's go over the, the steps then that, that led you from there to what you're doing now. So you, you went to school for herbalism. Um, where did you go to school, by the way? Um, I initially started off um, at a U.S.-based program called the Heart of Herbs. It's uh, by a, a herbalist in, I think she's in Kentucky, and that's where I got my first degree. And then um, right before the pandemic hit, I had enrolled in another um, course, more knowledge and abilities, and that was through a UK-based school over in uh, England. And so that was, that should be two and a half years. And I finished that right at the end of 2020. Wow. So, okay. So let's go over the, also the, the important changes in uh, way of working from being an RN. I mean, most people here, I think probably don't know what it is to, to be a nurse from the inside, you know, what your, what your daily work is like, and then how that transitions then into this new way of working one-on-one um, -on -one through the use of herbs. So how did that go for yeah. you? Um, it wasn't as hard of a transition as I thought it would be, but it is a difference for sure. Um, as a nurse, especially how I was working was a floor nurse. So a nurse that worked in a hospital setting on a unit, taking care of multiple patients at once. You'd have anywhere from four to six patients a day. So there's a lot of time management skills that go into that and working on keeping track of everything that's happening with every patient, passing meds for everybody on time, making sure that, you know, they're, they're getting showered and bathed and their dressings are being changed and their, and their linens are being changed and helping to the bathroom and doing PT with them and doing all this stuff. So there's a lot of time management and it's just kind of a crazy busy day usually because you have so many people that you're trying to, you know, keep track of at once. So when I switched into doing mainly my herbalism instead, it was more one-on-one. -on -one. So it was just me and one client at a time and doing one person's stuff at a time. It actually felt easier in some ways because I wasn't having to manage five other people at the same time. Um, so that was, that wasn't too hard of a transition. What was the hardest transition is now being like the only one responsible for you know, what's going on when you're in a hospital setting as a nurse, you know, you have the other other nurses, you have the doctors to talk to, you have your managers, you have like a whole support team around you. So if, you know, for some reason you just need something, you have so many people to go to and ask. Whereas when you're on your own as a herbalist and you're doing one-on-one, -on -one, you don't always have that support system unless you go make it for yourself and go find other herbalists to network with and chat with about stuff and bounce ideas off of. It's you and 
your client and your knowledge and that's it. So that was my one hardest transition was feeling like I didn't have that support system. So going and finding that for myself was very important when switching from mainly RN type work to, you know, herbalist work. I'm, I'm curious to go back to the time that you were an RN. Did you feel that you were a healer at that time? Sometimes I started off, that's my goal, right? To work as a healer, be a nurse and help all these patients. And the longer I got into my nursing career, the less it felt like that was happening. There was so many politics within the hospital and so many rules and regulations, which are totally there for a reason, but it really hinders a lot of your ability to really truly feel like you're helping people. And you just, it just started feeling like I wasn't doing what I set out to do in my life, which was to help heal people. Um, and it just, it started really weighing on me that I was not really doing that. And that wasn't what I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to truly help people. And I've had so much more of that in my life since I switched to my herbalism that I've actually, people come back to me that I've helped and they're like, oh my much you truly helped me like without you this would never have happened you know and I feel like I'm actually making a difference in people's lives so that was a nice change and what was it that that led to the, this nomadic lifestyle that you described that seems really curious to me well tell us about your yeah. nomadic lifestyle first and then how that happened yeah, so we are full-time nomads. We have a 21-foot travel trailer toy hauler, and we travel all over the country wherever we feel like going, so like wherever the wind blows. In the last two years, we've been across the U.S. three times <laughs> and just go wherever sounds fun. Like currently, we're in New Mexico, and it's amazing out here, and we love it, so we're staying for a little while to kind of, you know, enjoy the culture and the peoples and just all the nature that's out here. And then we'll head wherever we want to after that. Um, you know, we're thinking Arizona and Nevada, places we haven't been yet. So that'd be fun to explore. So we do that um, all the time with the kids, the dogs, the husband. It's, it's fun. Um, what led to this was uh, my husband and I got married. I'd gone through a really awful divorce. And so had he and we had met after years after that process, and really clicked and just absolutely fell head over heels for each other, moved in together, got married, and just realized that we weren't spending any time with the kids. We weren't spending any time with hardly each other because of our jobs. We were constantly go, 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 that nine to five rat race. And we just got really tired of not having the life we wanted and not being able to spend time with our family. So we made a radical decision. <laughs> One day my husband woke up and I woke up and I said, we need to do something different. And he was like, yeah, what do we need to do? And I said, I don't know. So we started investigating and researching and realized there was this whole community of people who are our age with young kids like we have and pets who traveled the country in their RVs like purposely. And we were like, well, that sounds like something we could do. So we made that decision in February of 2019. By May, we had sold the house, all of our belongings, bought an RV and moved out and started traveling. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, just ever since we have loved it and the kids love it and we can't imagine ever doing anything different. And are you uh, homeschooling your children? 
Yes. Yeah. We do what they call road schooling, where you homeschool on the road. So they learn a lot from like the places we stop at, the national parks and the state forests and the state parks and all the places that we stop through that. And we do obviously curriculum and stuff as well, but they get a lot of education just from meeting different peoples of different cultures and all of the different places that we stop in the history and the museums and all the things we go to. Now, the, the part that, that also interests me in the story is um, as, a, a, as a, an herbalist, you are accustomed to certain plants that I assume that are, are the ones that are your go-to plants and that you're also aware of the plants in a particular environment and being that you're traveling around the country so much are, do you find plants that you recognize everywhere you go or how, how does that work in terms of your understanding of how you fit into the natural environment if it's constantly changing yeah that was hard at first because like you said uh, we lived in georgia for the last 10 years so before prior to this so 10 years almost all of my herbalist experience was with plants in Georgia and what you know we could grow there and what we could find naturally and all that so it was interesting when we started traveling to see the different biomes and what grew there but I think that's really helped me grow as a herbalist though because now I've gotten more experience with plants that were outside of my original comfort zone and I've learned to identify other plants better and easier so that you know it's it's just all around, I think, better for me as a herbalist. Um, what I have found is that it doesn't seem to matter what biome you are in. There are certain herbs that can pretty much proliferate everywhere. Like we're currently in the desert of New Mexico and I can find yarrow here and mullein and um, a whole bunch of different things that I never expected to find here in you know, the desert, but it's just a testament to the resiliency of plants and the resiliency of plants definitely can translate to the resiliency in your body and help you gain resiliency as well. So it's just amazing seeing that and how these plants can help you and what they can survive in. And it kind of translates to how they help you in your body. And that is a perfect transition to the next part of our conversation, which has to do with what do we take from this? What, what can you share with our listeners about the use of herbs? What should the average person know who doesn't spend a lot of time in the way that you have and wants to expand their use of plants to, to benefit their own health and healing? Definitely. Um, first thing that I always recommend is getting to know the plants in the area where you are residing. So go out, start taking pictures of them. If that's what you need to do, bring a book with you that helps you identify them. I absolutely love Google Lens because sometimes plants are very similar and it's really hard to differentiate. But if you take a picture and you upload it into Google Lens, it's an app for your phone. It can really help you differentiate which one's which. And then it gives you all the information you need. Um, the way they used to do it back in the day, and I still kind of recommend this, is find a plant, determine what it is, you smell it, you taste it, you take it home with you, you either dry it out or you use it fresh, and you just make a tea out of it, and you drink it. See how it feels in your body, what it does for you, and start writing down your observations. Put this in a book, we call it the Materia Medica. It's a fancy term for your book of herbs that is all of your knowledge that you've learned. Start writing it down. 
and see how they work in you because how they work in you is how they're going to work in other people more than likely as well. The top five main herbs I say everybody should keep in their house is garlic, which people don't think of as a herb, but it is. And it's a very wonderful natural antibiotic. So if you start feeling any kind of illness coming on, you put like five or six chopped cloves of garlic into about a quarter cup of honey and start taking a tablespoon of that every hour on the hour while awake, you will pretty much kick anything out of your system. So that's always good to have on hand. You can just add that to your diet or you can take it, like I said, kind of more as a medicinal purpose. Everybody should have rosemary because rosemary also thought of as mainly just a culinary herb is actually very good for your heart and it's very good for your lungs. It's very good at helping if your lungs come down with pneumonia or bronchitis or anything like that to make a steam from it and inhale that and help with that. And it's really good for your heart. If you have heart issues, drinking a cup of rosemary tea every day can really help your heart improve its strength. And it's also good for migraines and headaches. So if you start coming down with those, drinking a cup of rosemary tea at the first sign can really help kick that headache out as well. So it's just nice to have on hand for multiple different reasons. And let's see, the other herbs you would want to have on hand would be thyme. Thyme also usually thought of as a culinary herb is actually also very good for um, like canker sores, mouth sores, bleeding gums, anything like that, sore throats. Um, I make a mouthwash out of it using peppermint and thyme for our family and use that to gargle and swish every night. And we have had perfect gum health since then. And it helps kick out any kind of sore throat you might be coming down with as well. So it's just wonderful all around. It's also one you can breathe in as a steam if you're having respiratory issues. So really good to keep that on hand as well. Another good one to have on hand would be German chamomile. Chamomile is fantastic to help you get to sleep at night if you're having insomnia issues. It is fantastic for any kind of GI issues, upset, diarrhea, constipation. It helps with both of those, helps with food digestion, helps your liver. It's just an all around wonderful herb for many different reasons. And it's also good for ADHD and it's helped for balancing hormones as well. So a lot of my clients are on some form of chamomile from me because of that very reason. So that's always good to have on hand also. And peppermint's probably the last one or spearmint if you don't like the peppermint taste. They both work very similarly. Those help with headaches, stomach upset, indigestion, um, calming racing brains. Just really nice to have on hand for that kind of stuff. So those are the five that I usually say you should keep on hand at all times, just to have for different reasons. And then always, always just go out in nature and start exploring and find these plants and use your intuition. You will be drawn toward plants that are good for you. Now, what about the, what about the dangers of poisonous plants? In other words, I do, I, I don't necessarily want to go out and pick poison ivy and make a tea out of it and drink it. Yes, which is why you always identify them first with your eyes before touching a plant. You never wanna just go, you know, oh, look, this looks good and grab at it because that is the first way that yes, you wind up with poison ivy or something else you don't want. Nettles are fabulous for you, 
but if you grab them barehanded, you will get a rash because that's what that does. But if you pick it with gloves and then you dry it out, the stinging part goes away and you can use it as a medicinal purpose. So you just, that's why it's important first to bring a book or your take pictures, identify the plants first before you start the whole second phase, which is touching and getting to know their feel. So what would be an example of a plant that I, I might find, um, well, let's say, I, all right, I live in the Northeast. So what would be an example of a plant that I might find out on a walk in the woods that I would want to make into a tea? Mm -hmm. um, up there in the Northeast, you have a lot of mullein. Um, it's a fuzzy leafed plant that grows a big giant stalk right through the middle of it with yellow flowers that come off the top of the stalk. So it's pretty identifiable. Um, but again, always check before you touch anything. But mullein leaves are absolutely fantastic respiratory uh, plant. It's great for any kind of respiratory issue. It's just wonderful to make into a tea. It's very soothing for your lungs. Um, it's very soothing if you have a cough. Um, it helps soothe your throat, helps coat things. It's very what's called mucilaginous. So it will make your tea will be kind of thick and kind of slimy sometimes. Um, and that's the way that this plant works, especially is by using those mucilaginous qualities to help coat things and calm them and soothe them. So it's, uh, it's very good. That's very common up in the Northeast. Um, in fact, I found some out here and I was really surprised because it's typically not seen you know, out in the West where it's so dry. Um, but I found it up in the mountains here. So that makes sense because it was up in a more, you know, rainy area. But that's one of the ones you would find in probably yarrow, which is a very good wound herb. So if you're out hiking and you get injured and you got a cut, rinse it out with some water, pack some yarrow into it. It'll stop it from bleeding and start healing it up as you walk back out to your car. Yarrow is looks kind of like a fern in a way, the leaves do, um, but they're a little fuzzy compared to ferns are smooth and they grow little stalks in the middle of them with little tiny white flowers. Um, and that's yarrow and it is fabulous. It's always good to have know that one by sight because if you do get injured and get a cut or something, it's nice to be able to grab that and stop the bleeding and everything so you can get out safely and to help. That's some wonderful advice and and in fact it seems to me that i've seen mullen growing almost everywhere that i've traveled to yeah um, it's a very hardy plant <laughs> exactly let's take a moment to focus now on your area of expertise um which is women's health so for the women who are listening what are some important things for them to know about herbs that are are specific to women's concerns um, there are several that I reach for often. Um, the first one would be wild yam. It is a fabulous herb for women's health issues, um, especially those who are um, currently having hormonal imbalances. It is what's considered an estrogen modulating herb. So it helps your body regulate the proper levels of estrogen. So that's a fabulous one to take if you're having, you know, imbalances and you feel that an imbalance of estrogen might be the case so that one can be taken as a tea it also has a mucilaginous quality so it can get a bit goopy so if you have texture issues then i would take it as a tincture or use it as a cream 
And you would want to drink that two to three times a day as a tea or use the cream twice a day if you're what you're doing instead to help regulate things. Um, for the cream, you want to rub it right over top where your ovaries are, so in your abdomen area. The other one that I like and reach for a lot is called Agnes Castus, sometimes also called Vitex or Chase Tree Berry here in the States. Um, and it is a little tiny, tiny berry <clears throat> that you can make a tea from, or actually it'd be a decoction where you would boil the berries in the water and then strain them and drink them um, to help open them up and release all of their good qualities that you're looking for. Or you, you can take it as a tincture. I personally don't like the tea. It's very bitter. It's very nasty to me. So I take it as a tincture, but you, people can, everybody reacts differently. So take it however works for you. Um, this one is very, very well known for helping helping your body regulate estrogen and progesterone. So if you seem to be having like a combined issue of hormonal things, meaning that you have PMS symptoms um, during your period and right before, and you're also having like excessive, you know, bleeding and acne and things like that, which also can indicate an estrogen issue, then you would want that one. That one would be best. It's also good if you're in menopause or perimenopause as it helps your body keep the estrogen levels higher so you don't go through all the hot flashes and night sweats and nastiness that happens when you hit menopause. So that one's another one that I use a lot. And then my third one that I love for like everything and it's pretty much like a one size fits all herb, which is great to find is ladies mantle. It works really, really well for pretty much any female issue you can come up with and just helps your body regulate your hormones better helps your liver clear your excess hormones, helps your digestive system, helps your urinary tract. So it's just a perfect all-around herb for female issues. Wonderful. Well, this is some really solid and useful information, Shannon. Um, I want to be clear in our podcast today that uh, this is not meant to diagnose or treat illnesses. You should always visit your physician. Um, there has been so much valuable information. This has been uh, a real education in how to rethink our relationship with the plant world. And in fact, that's my last question for you today is how do we as human beings come into proper relation with plants? Because that's been a lot of my own uh, personal learning has had to do with developing that relationship. Yeah, my favorite way to do it for myself, and I recommend this for my clients, is just getting out into nature. Go out into nature, find a place that speaks to you, calls to your heart, makes you feel wonderful when you get there, and sit there. Sit there with the plants, talk to them, touch them if you've identified that they're safe to do so, and you know, just really learn and get harmonious with earth and the nature. Take off your shoes, ground yourself into the earth, feel the grass, feel the dirt, let your body soak that up. We are from nature and going back to nature is the best way to get reconnected with it. And like I said, take off your shoes, sit there in the grass, feel it. Don't just walk around in it and say, oh, sit against a tree, listen to them. Trees are very wise and will give you a lot of wisdom if you'll just sit there and listen long enough. Same with rocks. Rocks are amazing individuals if you really start communing with them. So it's just, that's the best way is seriously just get out into nature and start communing with it and just get that vibe back that you're supposed to have with nature. Wonderful, Shannon. Thank you. And 
if our listeners would like to contact you, how can they do so? They can contact me through my email, which is Shannon at the nomad apothecary.com or they can find me on Instagram. That's where I usually am hanging out. Um, and my Instagram handle is at health by nomads. One more time for anybody who might want to write this down. Can you repeat that? <laughs> yes. So uh, email is Shannon at the nomad apothecary.com. And you can find me on Instagram most often. And my IG handle is at health by nomads. Wonderful. So Shannon Stone, thank you so much for being on our show today. Yes, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been fabulous chatting. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.